This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the Mark Weber. Dub Denise. And you might be noticing two things. You're first off, Ricky, I hear your voice, even though I'm on YouTube. I hear your voice, but I only see the Onside Kick logo. And with Mark, it kind of it kind of sounds like he's in a tunnel. No, it's not that bad. But Mark, over the phone today, we had to do an audio-only podcast because Mark having a little bit of issues with the house. Had to be like, hey, I can't come into the studio. We're doing things this way for today. As we continue through our previews, we have two more left. We're going into the West. It is manifest destiny time to end the year. We're going to look at the AFC West in this podcast. If you're new to how we do these previews, we're going to start from the bottom. So that means we'll start with the Broncos. We will end with the team that finished first. That will be the Chiefs, who were 10-6 and last year. Before we get into everything, a little bit of housekeeping here at the beginning. Number one, if you want to help support the channel more so than you already are by listening to this podcast, make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. That link down below in the description. You can also get yourself an MVP t-shirt. Don't worry, I'm not wearing the shirt, so you still can see me not wearing the t-shirt, but you can get that down below in the store link as well. The store is also at mostvaluablepodcast.com where you can also catch MVP each and every day. And then last but not least, if you are on Apple Podcast, if you have iTunes, make sure to go on over, give the Onside Kick a five-star rating, and then let us know why you like listening to the podcast each and every week. But Mark, it is AFC West time. We're taking a look, starting off with the Denver Broncos. And for me, this is the most interesting team. Well, maybe the second most, but they're definitely one of the top two most interesting teams in this division. They were 5-11 and last year. They go ahead and get Bradley Chubb with their first round pick. Their DC, the they were saying his chin hit the floor when the Bron- when the Browns didn't draft Bradley Chubb with the number one overall pick. They signed Case Keenum, hope- hoping that he can be the guy for Denver this year. I'll just ask you, kind of a first question: Do you think? Well, do you think the Broncos will be better, and how much better are they going to be in 2018? I 100. I mean, this, this team is definitely going to be better than last year. I mean, it's it's shocking to not only their defensive coordinator, but uh, to me as well that they would even have the chance to have drafted Bradley Chubb. I mean, that's a little bit of a. I I mean, who knows? Baker Mayfield could be the next greatest of all time quarterback here, but I think this is one of those moments where you're going to sit there, you're going to look back and go how did you pass up on Bradley Chubb? Uh So I think they're going to be much better. The defense is already a good, really good defense. You add a guy like Bradley Chubb to that, you know, you look at the offensive side of the ball, they were fine running the ball. They just couldn't really get much going passing wise, but you get a guy like Cortland Sutton, Royce Freeman as well to improve the run game. You get Case Keenum. You already got, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas. They've already got some really good options and good weapons. Do I think that this team is, you know, 
all of a sudden miles and miles away better than they were last year? Not necessarily, but they definitely are a better team. They're definitely a team that this year actually can compete a little bit more. Uh, and that's going to make you know the lives of Bronco fans much easier come Sunday. Well, and for me, you say, hey, you know what, is this team going to be miles and miles better? I think they are. Like, this is a team, you can go ahead and book it, that the two teams now that are going to be fighting, and I'm sorry, Chiefs fans, we'll get to why I think this in your preview later, but I think this division is either going to be the Chargers to win or the Broncos to win. And like you mentioned it, they've got pieces on offense. Really my, not biggest question, but the one position that'll be interesting to watch is the running back position. C.J. Anderson no longer there. And it looks like Devontae Booker is going to be the starting back with Royce Freeman being the number two behind him. Royce Freeman being a nice guy that they drafted in the NFL draft, like you said, but Booker, the only worry there is he only got 79 touches last year for just under, I'm going to round up, 300 yards a year ago, so it'll be interesting to see what he can do with a workload like C.J. Anderson had, who had close to 250 attempts on the year. My biggest question, though, for this team has to be the man from Minnesota coming on over and that is Case Keenum. This is a guy who, before last year, you would have said, oh, Case Keenum's your quarterback, and you would have been like, really? Is is that the only option that we could have gotten in free agency is Case Keenum? Like, we couldn't get anyone else to be our quarterback. But after the year he had last year, the biggest thing Case Keenum needs to prove is that last year was not, was not, a one-hit wonder. I mean, he had thirty-five over 3,500 passing yards. First time he's ever done that in his career. He had 22 touchdowns in a year. The first time he's had double-digit touchdowns in a year, and he only had seven picks, almost his lowest. It was his lowest since his 2013 campaign where he only had six picks on the year. What do you think about Case Keenum, and are you as kind of worried? I wouldn't say worried, but I'm going to say, are you as questioning on Case Keenum as I am coming into 2018? Oh, definitely. I mean, 100%. Case Keenum's the kind of guy that you, you know, you put it perfectly. Just before last season, you're sitting there going, oh, I can't believe that we're stuck with Case Keenum. That's how I felt as a Viking fan. Yeah, right? <laughs> then you move on, and you're like, all right, cool. You know, this season goes really, really well for the Vikings for Case Keenum. You have a great offense, one of the best defenses. You know, I mean, how shocking was it to anybody who wasn't from Minnesota or who likes to wear purple jerseys mm-hmm. to have a fifth-round pick and an undrafted free agent be the one-two one of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL last year. And that's crazy. You can't, you know, you would never expect it. And it happened, you know, and it happened because the number one running back there, Dalvin cook, who, even though he got injured, he was a great running back, but it didn't matter because you had a great backup as well. You know, there's a really solid offense. Well, 
the offensive line, I should say, it's just I think it's more average. But it's an average. It's going to keep a guy like Case Keenum on his feet for this kind of fairly just, hey, I go back, I get the ball out of my hands to just the first guy open. You know, quick passes, dink and dunk, move your way up. And that's not even to get to the fact that, like I said, one of the best defenses in the NFL last year. And, you know, people are saying that, and I know Case Keenum's not there, and they had an upgrade at quarterback with Kirk Cousins, but people are instantly saying Super Bowl favorite for this year. Now, there shouldn't be any real surprise that when Case Keenum was in that offense, you know, on that team, very well-coached team, great young talent on that team. It shouldn't surprise anybody that of course he was going to perform well because he was in the ideal situation. He hasn't really been in that good of a situation really in his entire NFL career. You might be able to say 2013, maybe with Houston, you know, he was in a decent situation, but it certainly wasn't last year's Minnesota Vikings. So yes, Of course he had a great year. You know, some people might even argue that, well, he's never really had a full opportunity. This was his first time, you know, he had 15 games, but he had 10 with the Rams just the year before that. So he's had his opportunities and just hasn't been able to make it happen. Is it possible that just, you know, it finally clicked? And much like Kirk Cousins, who now, Uh, is the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. One day he couldn't do it. The next day, boom, the job is his. Mm -hmm. And he finally becomes that franchise quarterback. Is it possible that that's Case Keenum? Yeah, sure. It's possible. I would be very surprised by that. I think that last year was really an anomaly in the career of Case Keenum, a guy who I think will continue what he's been so far, which is, kind of a journeyman quarterback, a little bit of a backup quarterback, just going from place to place. That's really kind of what I expect uh, out of them. And the the thing, too, you got to think about, Vance Joseph is the coach. That's a defensive-minded coach. Uh, you got Musgrave out there for your offensive coordinator, which it's not like he's a bum coach or anything like that. He's a fine coach. But you really had a great coach in Minnesota, our great offensive coordinator in Minnesota to work with quarterbacks, you know, and that really benefited Case Keenum. Well, and the one thing I'll jump in and say is, although I am not like a hundred percent on the bandwagon, they're like, Ooh, Case Keenum is going to be, you know, just fine. And no questions. Although I'm high on this Bronco team, I'm not dumb. Like I know that there's still that question that last year, could have been the one-hit wonder for Case Keenum. However, the thing that Bronco fans should look at and have a little bit of confidence in is that if there's any team in the NFL besides Minnesota that Case Keenum could have gone to and have been comfortable in, it has got to be the Denver Broncos. And the reason why I say that is when I look at their roster – it kind of mirrors what Minnesota was kind of doing. You've got two receivers out there in Sanders and Thomas who will be like your um, Stefan Diggs and your Thielen the Thielen. I want to see what Cortland Sutton can do if he can be a good third option 
for this Bronco team in the receiving core. They also got a young guy, Deshaun Hamilton, that I want to see how he develops as well. Jake Butt at tight end, he's no comparison to Kyle Rudolph. So, I mean, I'm not even going to throw the tight ends out there, but, I mean, it's not like he's chopped liver out there. And the running backs last year without Dalvin, Dalvin Cook, it was very much McKinnon and Latavius Murray being that dual back system. That could be what we see here between Booker and Freeman, and if they're just able to get the job done, not turn over the football, get good yardage on the ground like McKinnon and Murray did, then maybe Case Keenum can see some success because this defense is, to me, phenomenal. It's a top three defense from last year. The only two defenses that were better than it in total yards were the Minnesota Vikings where Case Keenum was and the Jacksonville or Saxonville Jaguars. This is a defense. Von Miller's on it. We mentioned Bradley Chubb. There's also um, Josie Jewell, who I'm excited for. He's going to be a good pickup from the draft, a kid from Iowa. The other Brandon Marshall on this team, not the Brandon Marshall that's the wide receiver. And to me, the only question is those, that cornerback position of with Roby and Harris, how do they play with the stable of guys behind them but like I look at the stats from last year on defense and like I mentioned total yards this defense for Denver was third in the league the only two defenses that were less than them was Jacksonville and Minnesota had the least yardage against them all year the thing that I find interesting is the points per game Minnesota's defense only gave up 15.8 points per game last season. Denver's defense, 23.9. Now, the thing that you look into, because Denver didn't have a quarterback, they were only scoring 18 points a game. So they were getting outscored by about five points per game, if my math is serving me correct, where Minnesota was outscoring their opponents by almost 12 points per game. Minnesota had 23.9 points per game on offense, which was the exact same that Denver was giving up on defense. So if Case Keenum, to me, can just do that alone and help this offense get just a little bit more production in points because that was the big thing that killed this team. They weren't able to get that production. They were only scoring 18 per game. The thing I'll ask you is, how much does that worry you that Denver might be, if these numbers stay the same, which they won't, how much does it worry you that this Denver defense was given up 23.9, will round up 24, and Case Keenum was only getting about 24 points per game last year with Minnesota? I do think there is some concern there. Um because Case Keenum is not going to be a guy who's going to blow you away. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's just not his style. It's not what he's going to succeed in. Um, he is a guy who will succeed with the dink and dunk, with the heavily supported by a nice, powerful run game. And seemingly that's what Denver has, and that's what Denver wants to be. Um, you know, the the concern, of course, as well when it comes to that, though, is they struggled in pass protection a bit last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the right side of their offensive line is pretty bad. So they're not in a terrible situation. I would say it's just a below average offensive line, but 
they have a strong side to it and they have a pretty weak side to it. Um, and I think that Case Keenum can feel the pressure pretty quickly, especially when you think about the fact that the Chargers have an absolutely amazing pass rush. Uh, I'm sure that Gruden wants to go back to the, the glory days of black and blue football. So the Raiders are going to toughen up a little bit as well. You know, and then the Chiefs. The Chiefs are not going to be a joke as well when it comes to getting to quarterbacks. So you have not a great situation for a guy who isn't going to, like I said, absolutely blow you away. And a problem last year for the Broncos, too, you know, any team that doesn't have a really reliable quarterback, not being able to sustain drives, so you give the other team a shortened field. And what does that do for you? It inflates your yards against number. Well, I should say deflates your yards against numbers uh, and then inflates your points against because teams are more likely to score, but they're not going to put up as many yards on you. You know, that happens if you're not sustaining drives. That's going to happen if you're mm-hmm. turning the ball over, which when you don't have a quarterback you can rely on, that's exactly what has just happened, essentially. Well, and another um, thing that you mentioned before that was interesting was the coaching, too. Because, mm-hmm. first off, to me, I don't know if this is my Viking bias coming out. You can call me on it, Mark, if it is. But I would take Mike Zimmer, and I would say Mike Zimmer is a way better coach than Vance Joseph has. Vance Joseph is just inexperienced at the head coaching position, and Mike Zimmer has done phenomenal things with the Vikings since coming there in 2014. There's not yeah, only, Vance Joseph needs time before mm-hmm. we can really assess that. Yeah. There's not only that question, but I wonder, too, how much the Pat Shermer variable played into. Like, are we going to – is this almost going to be like a – um, Philadelphia Eagles situation where a lot of people are saying, well, don't crown Nick Foles because, I mean, Reich put him in great situations late in that Super Bowl run for him to be successful with them mm-hmm. having now Musgrave as the, because he was only the quarterback coach and the interim OC last year, now being the full-time OC, I mean, I'm looking back to his Days the last time he was an OC was 2015 2016 with the Oakland Raiders, where he had Derek Carr. Yeah, and they were 20, they were the 24th best offense in his first year, and then jumped all the way up to a top 10. They were at six his second year. So, could we see that same thing where this year might not be the good year? It could be next year where this Musgrave offense kind of takes off. It's possible, but, you know, there there are some things that concern me about it. And, you know, I mean, he – Musgrave was your offensive coordinator for you being the he Vikings was. fan mm-hmm. uh, during AP's, you know, insane uh, comeback from injury. 2011 to 2013. He was your guy. And Zimmer decided, mm, we're going to let you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's when he gets to go to Philadelphia. He works with Foles. He works with Mark Sanchez. Not amazing. Um, and then he gets to move over to Derek Carr. Derek Carr, great quarterback, of course. But, you know, the thing about Derek Carr is there's people who are wondering if he was just a flash in the pants. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because he had really an amazing rookie year and a good second year, and that Raiders team has not been as good as people had hoped it would be. Um, So, you know, there's, there's definitely question marks to that. And there's question marks on whether or not he is going to actually be able to take a guy like Case Keenum and elevate him to that next level that the Broncos need him to be at. I do think it's a concern. Honestly, when it comes to this team, and I know we're harping on Case Keenum quite a bit, mm-hmm. if they put him in a good situation, he's going to do just fine, just like he did in Minnesota. He's not going to go out there and lead the league, but he is going to be better than good enough to win you games. The thing I also like about looking at the schedule for this team, and if you guys – um, I did do the Bronco prediction video, so go ahead and check that out. I'll pop it up if you're watching on YouTube so you can click on it. Um, the thing I like about their schedule is it's not pa- – in my opinion, it's not packed with hard-loaded teams. Where For the division, I feel like this is a team that will split against the Chargers. They'll split against the Chiefs. They might split against Oakland. Oakland may play them tough. In um in Oakland or at Oakland this year, but I could see them sweeping the Oakland Raiders. I'm not really high on John Gruden's Raiders this year. But then the other teams on their schedule, like the ones that I think they can win, Seattle I don't think is going to be what we're used to them. That could be a win. The Jets, although it's in New York, that's a win. Arizona, I would say that's a win even though it's in Arizona. The Bengals, I'm not high on them. I'll give that to the Broncos. The Browns should be better, but, you know, the Bron- the Browns have to prove it to me before I go giving them, like, six to eight wins this year. And then they have teams like Houston, but it's week nine. Are they going to be healthy then? And it's in Denver. You have San Francisco. I'm high on San Francisco, but not many people are. What kind of team are they going to be? To where, to me, there's the only ones that are like, these are your really tough games, are Week 6 against the Rams, Week 12 against the Steelers. All the rest of them are very winnable games. I'm not saying they're going to go 14-2, and two, but it's not a jam-packed, loaded schedule for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, that's the thing with it. I mean, it, it really is going to depend a lot on how the team... Um, kind of gels together with with some of these new pieces because there are quite a bit of new pieces mm-hmm. uh, to the offensive side of the ball and defense as well, but especially on the offense, some significant pieces that have changed. But it's really going to depend. I mean, they've got some some good – they've got some good things going for them. I mean, they play the Texans, who are definitely a really good team. That's a home game for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Steelers, that's going to be a home game for the Broncos. You know, they get to have some of those type of advantages. When they play the Jets, which are a lesser team in the NFL, they're the road team. They get to play the Rams at home. So they get they get to be uh, away against the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. You know, they have that favorable schedule. You play weaker teams when you're on the road. You play stronger teams at home. Just a little bit of that kind of advantage schedule-wise for you. So you really look at something like that, and you think this is a team that – even if let's just say they're a seven and nine team, maybe they end up at nine and seven mm-hmm. because of some of those advantages for them, and that can certainly help. And I mean, the last thing I'll say about the schedule that's kind of a good thing is that 
they don't have a lot of the games are very like away home away home where the only back-to-back home games they have are week one and two and then it's like all right we're at arizona then we come back to denver we go to kansas city that's not that bad all right we're gonna go to cincinnati come back to denver then we go to california so it's not that bad they don't have that like stretch of um away games where it's like man we got this three game stretch where we're away 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 and we got to get it done they have kind of some favorable back to backs even the road ones before we move on to the Oakland Raiders i ask you all the time any final thoughts on the Denver Broncos my final thought on the Denver Broncos is just the defensive rookie of the year watch for Bradley Chubb really you think he's going to be defensive rookie of the year well, he's in the best possible place that he could be in to do it. That's for sure. I mean, he's a phenomenal defensive player. He's a monster. And you look at, you know, the advantage of having Von Miller there as well. That's going to be huge for him. I'm trying to look at, because off the top of my head, I'm like, what other, like Roquan Smith, he hasn't signed yet. Um, But like he could be in the running for it. Um, Tremaine Edwards in Buffalo. I don't know if uh, if he's going to have so much success in Buffalo. Yeah, I don't, I don't trust Edmonds in Buffalo, mm-hmm. not because I don't want Tremaine Edmonds, but he's a bit of a project, and Buffalo's not a – that defense is going to be on the field a lot. I'm going to throw two sleepers at you. The, uh, the two guys that I think will give – they're both on the Packers that could give Bradley Chubb a run for his money in the defensive rookie of the year – are going to be the corner one of the cornerbacks in the Packers or in Green Bay, either Jair Alexander or Josh Jackson. One of those guys will give him a run for his money and kind of be that sleeper pick where it's like, whoa, we didn't expect one of them to be the defensive rookie of the year. But then my final thoughts on the Broncos, favorable schedule. The defense should be really good. That should help Case Keenum. Don't be don't be surprised if this offense Case Keenum gets familiar with it quick because it's got a lot of the similarities that he's familiar with from Minnesota last year, but it should be a good year for the Denver Broncos. Let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. Bronco fans, how high are you on your team this year? Are you worried about Case Keenum? Are you not? What do you like? What don't you like? Let us know what you're thinking down below in that comment section. And Mark, let's move into the next team, and that would be the Oakland Raiders. One year, I believe. They're one year away from being the uh, the Vegas Raiders. We're in the comment section for Sean's preview, or prediction, which you guys can check out. People were already saying Vegas, baby. So you're, you guys are excited about the Vegas move, it seems. You might be Vegas residents, and those might not be Oakland people, but... This Raider team, I think, is interesting and interesting in the bad way for me, where John Gruden becomes the head coach of this team and the offseason moves that they make, they get Jordy Nelson, they get Martavius Bryant, they go ahead and get Jared Cook from the Green Bay Packers, they take Doug Martin, who used to be with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I just... I. I look at this offseason, and the thing that I get, I, I get John Gruden, where he wants veteran players. That's how he's always been. But I look at this team, and I just think, are we going to be set up for a poor first year 
with John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders. What do you think? What are you thinking, Mark, about John Gruden and how his first year could be with the Raiders? Uh, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about John Gruden and the Raiders, but it's the first thing I'm gonna I'm gonna say a few things off the bat, and I can go into a little bit more. But first thing, it's just at the very least we have this interesting experiment of can you take somebody who has been out of coaching for this long, had the game change while they were gone, and have them come back in, can they still be successful? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting just experiment. We'll see what happens. Uh, but it's also interesting to me that you you know, you know, put it perfectly of John Gruden wants experienced players. He's willing to go out there and pay for some experienced players, which is fascinating because – it's kind of been shown that with a couple of different exceptions, you know, like Peyton Manning uh, and his Broncos when they won the Super Bowl, Tom Brady's Patriots when they won the Super Bowl, but that's a little bit of an anomaly because they, they've they managed to have Tom Brady turn some people into studs. They also um, had the best two, like that Broncos team and that Patriot team had the best two quarterbacks that I think we might have seen in our lifetimes. Exactly. But right now, the, the kind of way to success is young players. It's have these a lot of good, talented young players while they're cheap and then put the pieces around them. Mm-hmm. And John Gruden seems to kind of be flying in the face of that by saying, no, 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 I want to go ahead and get guys who I know are good. And and I appreciate that idea to say, I know these players are talented. I know they can play. I have seen them play. I know what I get out of these guys. Without a doubt, there's value to that. Mm-hmm. But it's just interesting to note that so many so many teams are the using the mindset of let's be young and then just pay for some of those big-name pieces. And that's not what John Gruden is doing. So I think when it comes to the first year – I actually don't expect there to be some huge disaster this first year for everything to go terribly right off the bat. What I'm more concerned about for for Oakland Raider fans out there and what will soon be Las Vegas Raiders fans, mm-hmm. because they're not allowed to sell anything with Las Vegas right now. Yeah. They haven't left Oakland yet. Um, and what I think is more what's going to happen is this first year, Maybe it's not like Chip Kelly and everyone's like, well, yep, he just changed the entire game. And then the next year, nope, Chip Kelly is bad. He needs to get out of here. Um, But I could see something like John Gruden being fine his first year, maybe even okay his second year, but it's just kind of falling apart on him after that because he's got a lot of money tied up to guys who are – Older players. I mean, you got mm-hmm. people who are on the wrong side of 30 getting a good chunk of money, and that that's going to eat things up. It'll be fine for this year, for although I would imagine for a lot of it, although you still have some injury concerns. You still have some players who have not quite ever lived up to their potential. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that it's not a sustainable idea unless it's going to radically change and in two years, this roster is going to look completely different. Uh, I don't think it's a sustainable idea that John Gruden is kind of basing his basing his decisions around. Yeah, and I mean, the thing that, and I know that 
older fans might say, well, Ricky, think about Warren Sapp because Warren Sapp wasn't exactly the um, perfect Boy Scout of a player. And it's like, yeah, do what I, tell me what to do, coach. I'm going to go ahead and do it. But like the thing that confuses me is, first, well, not confuses me, that worries me is first off, I wonder how John Gruden and Marshawn Lynch are going to coexist. How is that relationship going to happen? Did they bring on Doug Martin just in case the Marshawn Lynch and John Gruden connection does not work? And then Doug Martin, the muscle hamster, becomes because, like, I look at the running backs and it's like they've got Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington who were capable backups behind Latavius Murray a couple years ago. Well, two years ago, really, because Marshawn came on last year. And now you've got Marshawn Lynch, you've got Doug Martin, then Rashard, then Washington. Is it going to be Martin, Rashard, and Washington if Lynch does not work out with how him and Gruden and that relationship goes? Also, I look at this defense, and I this defense was not good last year. They ranked 23rd in the league in total yards given up. They also gave up around 23 points per game last year. I look at them and I go, I don't think they got much better. They brought on guys like Rashawn Mevins, who's probably going to play and start for them at corner. They bring in um, guys like from Minnesota, um, Emmanuel Lamar, who might go ahead and start at the weak linebacker position for them this year. And like, even I look at their draft picks, I hated their Colton Miller pick the first round one because it's not that I hated Colton Miller. It's that I hated drafting him as high as they did, especially with what was on the board. And it's also interesting that one of the guys they picked up in the draft was Arden Key, which he's been like early on beginning of the season last year. I remember doing a segment by myself because Brandon was on vacation and it's like, will Arden Key be the best defensive prospect in college football? Cause he had that kind of talent. But it just didn't work out with his off-the-field issues that he had. And really the big question was, does he want to play the game of football? That's why I'm like, really? Like, that's a guy that John Gruden and this Raider team wants to go ahead and draft with John Gruden being your head coach? But, like, there are other guys like Mo Hurst, friend of the show, who I love that pickup. P.J. Hall should be another good one on the interior of that defensive line. But... My biggest question for this team is how is this defense going to play in year one with John Gruden, who is a, um, like, he had good defenses in the past, especially with Tampa Bay. He had a good defense when he was there. I know it was like a decade ago, but I wouldn't be surprised if this defense is not much improved from last year, and this team is about five, six wins like they were last year. Yeah, it, it's going to be tough because John Gruden has been known for having some pretty good defenses. John Gruden's also been known for not ever really having a, a good quarterback. I mean, he has, he's had good quarterbacks, but he's never had a quarterback talent level-wise of Derek Carr's level. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr, you know, I mean, you throw him on, on that Tampa Bay uh, Super Bowl team and obviously, you know, he would have been a teeny tiny little baby at that point, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know, let's just pretend that he exists at that <laughs> time. And it would have been phenomenal. I mean, that would have been an absolutely incredible team in that case, but all that aside, yeah, I don't necessarily know the defense is going to get that much better. Um, but John Gruden's done well with defense and John Gruden's one of those coaches that really can inspire, uh, players to play harder. And you got a motivator in that case. You know, for me, the concerns really just come down to, is this kind of an outdated, like, is, is he going to have an outdated view of coaching in the NFL? You know, is he going for players that were good five years ago? Yeah, it's kind you of know? like the thing I'm going to compare it to is if it's like a coach that coached in like the 90s. So, like, I'm going to say not like a Phil Jackson because Phil Jackson – success-wise is on the level of, like, um, Bill Belichick. But if it was, like, a... I'm trying to think of, like, maybe a Pat Riley or, like, a solid coach from, like, 90s basketball where you had big men and the big man actually played in the post and roughed guys up, it would be like if you got that coach now in the NBA where it's all spread the floor out, You've got Euro softer bigs down low. Um, Everything's about the three ball. And this guy comes in and goes, yeah, we're going to do it like the old way. I wonder if that's going to be John Gruden in this case, where it's like, we're going to play football like we did in the 90s and early 2000s, or mainly for him it was the late 90s, early 2000s. We're going to play football like it was back then. It's like, that's not how it is now. That is not how football Mm -hmm. is played anymore. And, I mean, to go back on your point of, like, quarterbacks that he had, when he was in Oakland, really he had one year of Jeff George, uh, Jeff George, Donald Hollis, and Wade Wilson were not Deadpool Wade Wilson, just Wade Wilson, um, in 98. And then he had Rich Gannon for his remaining three years in Oakland, whereas Tampa, most of them were Brad Johnson. And then the last three were, like, Brian Greasy, Chris Sims, Jeff Garcia before he left the Raiders in 2008. And the thing that you brought up during the Broncos segment that I'll bring up now and kind of throw your way is what, what are we expecting from Derek Carr? Because this is Derek Carr. No one's saying he's a bad quarterback by any means. He's a guy that completes over 60% of his passes, throws for almost 4,000 yards in a season has good touchdown to interception ratios, not the not the best in year two, year four, but the records of his teams, three and thirteen, seven and nine, six and nine, the anomaly being that twenty sixteen where he went twelve and three with the Raiders. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see Derek Carr because he's been this guy that since he came into the league and kind of surprised everybody, everyone's expected great things out of him. And for the most part, the team as a whole, the Oakland Raiders, have not actually lived up to those expectations. Now, it's not fair to blame all of that on Derek Carr or to kind of pin it on him uh, and his success. But I do think that there is a certain level of expectations that you have when you were able to, you know, come out here and just surprise everybody for how good he was rookie year. Then coming in second year, 
getting or getting better. That third year, staying on par, and this fourth year, he's come down a little bit. But he's always a guy who's going to kind of be a little bit of a gunslinger. He's going to throw a lot of touchdowns. Doesn't throw a terrible amount of interceptions, so you're, you know, you're doing all right with that. But I think where people kind of expected, they had this 3,200 yards, then almost 4,000 yards. I think people were expecting essentially like the next Drew Brees to come out here, a guy who can just sling it all day Mm -hmm. all over you. And I think Derek Carr showed us that that's not necessarily who he is. You know, he's not going to be that Drew Brees throws for 5,000 yards Mm -hmm. every season type of guy. You know, maybe he becomes more of that Matt Stafford type of guy, really leads the team, can get it done on his own. He's proven that he has before but isn't going to be that transcendent type of quarterback that all on his own makes that team a playoff team and all on his own can lead that team to a Super Bowl, uh, can do it a game or two here and there, you know, really drag that team into a victory. But Derek Carr very simply just needs more around him. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. got – he had a – he's probably had a leading – or at least close to the top for drop passes, um, it, you know, for quarterbacks. I mean, he's he's had plenty of times where he's put it right there for his guy, and you know, Amari Cooper drops the ball. Well, and and, and that's not going to be his fault necessarily, but those are the things that, as a team, he's not going to be able to single-handedly overcome that. Well, and here I'll throw you this question because you mentioned like, oh, Amari Cooper drops the ball where the two guys, the two main guys that they bring in to be his new wide receiver weapons, Jordy Nelson, who just in recent, first off, talk about guys who are on the wrong side of 30. That's Jordy Nelson. He's 33 right now. He's going to turn. So he's going to be 33 this whole season. He won't turn 34 until around just after or yeah, just after the NFL draft next season. So he'll be 30, 33 this entire year. He's a guy that had the injury in 2015, missed all of that season, came back, was an 1,000 yard wide receiver, had the second most touchdowns that he's ever had in a, in a year. But he had Aaron Rodgers. What we saw in year two, well, the 2017 now I know Brett Hundley people are going to say whoa 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 Ricky are you comparing Derek Carr to Brett Hundley no but what I'm saying is he didn't have Aaron Rodgers out there I'm not saying the stats might be as low as they were where he had not even 500 yards and six touchdowns on the year but is it going to be that like what kind of receiver are we going to see with Derek Carr, not Aaron Rodgers? Are we going to see an over 1,000 wide receiver? Are we going to see maybe like a 600-yard Jordy Nelson? Then you've got Martavius Bryant, who he's only been in the league since 2014. He has never had over 765 yards in a season. That was the most. He didn't play 2016 because he was suspended. And last year, He only had just over 600 yards, and he had a catch percentage. It was his highest, but a catch percentage of 59.5. 
are they adding? Did they even add the right pieces in the wide receiver core to go ahead and help Derek Carr? You can throw in Jared Cook if you want to as well. Yeah, it's it's tough because you know you got a guy like Bryant who's kind of the um, perennial not living up to his potential. Every year, people expect great things out of him, and every year. Mm-hmm. I, he doesn't necessarily completely disappoint you, but you're like, oh, I thought there'd be more. Um, you got Cook, who is that guy who he's going to surprise you for a few games, and then he's going to completely disappear for a while. You know, you got Jordy Nelson coming off of an injury. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers were an amazing connection. But without Jordy Nelson, Aaron Rodgers can do just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, Aaron Rodgers will do fine with anybody that you throw out well, there. Well, he's got that Tom Brady type of element to him where it's like, I'm just going to throw the ball to whoever. Or like a Drew Brees kind of attitude where it's like, I'm going to throw the ball to whoever. I'm not just going to throw it to one wide receiver and have him be my main guy. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, Derek Carr is, not necessarily that type of quarterback, and I think it's unfair of anyone to expect him to be that type of quarterback now. You know, now that we've actually learned a little bit more about who he is, he's not going to be Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. He's not going to be one of these guys. He's going to be somebody who does need a team around him, and I don't necessarily think that the Oakland Raiders did a terrible job. You know, they're buying in on some potential. They are getting a guy who's a proven veteran. Mm-hmm. You know, Jared Cook's been there, so uh, that's not too big of an issue. You know, they're they're taking a shot. You know, they didn't get the guys like uh, like Allen Robinson or Allen Hearns, like those big name type of guys. Uh, they didn't get a chance to get one of them. You know, they didn't take a a, a shot on a Des Bryant which many people would consider quite a risk to do. Hey, he's still there. Uh, they can still get him. He is still available. You know, they didn't take a shot at a Brandon Marshall mm-hmm. or anything like that. They kind of went a little bit of a, this could blow up in our faces. But overall, I would say that, you know, it's a pretty, it was a fairly safe bet to go for guys like Jordy Nelson, who have pretty much always been a proven commodity in his career. Mm -hmm. The problem is going to be they're not necessarily players that are going to be absolute, you know, without a doubt, top wide receiving unit. And when you then are going to add in the fact of a guy like Jordy Nelson, you got him for what? One or two years, you know, and then you got to, reassess your wide receiver situation and there's plenty of teams in the NFL that you can ask. It's not easy to go out there and just find a number one wide receiver. Well, and you know, there are teams that will fail at that year mm -hmm. after year after year. And the thing I'm looking at is I like, while you've been talking, I've been looking at their schedule and I'll be completely honest their first six games, maybe even their first ten games, I don't like them. Like, you're going to open up the season. Yeah, it's in Oakland, but it's not that far of a drive for the L.A. Rams. That's a loss. You're playing the Broncos in Mile High Week 2. That could be a loss. 
The Dolphins will be interesting. Jaeger traveling to Miami, but that could be a winnable game. Playing the Browns in Oakland, winnable game. But then you're back to playing the Chargers, who I think will be a better team than the Raiders. They win. And then it's like the Seahawks. What kind of Seahawk team are we going to get? But are the Raiders going to be good enough to beat the Seahawks in Oakland? The Colts, I mean... Originally, I was like, hey, Andrew Luck might not be 100%. The Raiders can get a win off the bye. Now I'm thinking I'm going to switch that one. Andrew Luck looks like he's back. He's a full participant at Colts camp. So, I mean, the Colts could easily win that game against the Raiders. Against the Niners, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, which quarterback do you like better in that one? And then you got the Chargers before kind of having a back half of the schedule that is kind of littered with teams like the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Ravens, um, and your only hard opponents are the three divisional games between Broncos and Chiefs and then the Steelers. Yeah, it, it's an interesting schedule for, for the Raiders. I mean, it's not a terrible schedule, um, but it's not necessarily easy mm-hmm. as well. You know, they don't have the same advantages I talked about with like the Broncos of their hard games. Well, they're the home team. So that makes it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're some of those e- more, a little bit easier games, those more games where people, you expect them to win, uh, like a Browns, you know, um, they're at, they're at home Seahawks. A lot of people are down on the Seahawks this year, but the Raiders are the home team in that case, you know, uh, some of those easier games necessarily like a Bengals game, but I don't think the Bengals are going to be that bad of a team this year. You know, that's one of your, your road games there. So you don't have those same advantages that your, your other opponent had, uh, or your division opponent, the, the Broncos just had, but I do think that it's not a terrible schedule. So it is winnable. Mm-hmm. They can do well. Could they be a five, six win team? Yeah, they definitely could. But can they get to that 500, maybe 9 and 7 level as well? Yeah, I definitely think that they could as well. You know, they can bounce around a little bit, and it really is going to depend on a few different things. How does that team respond to uh, new coach John Gruden? How does Derek Carr continue to, uh, you know, evolve in his career now going into year number five? And then a really important part, injuries. How is that going to play a part for the Oakland Raiders? Because on paper, there's definitely quite a few concerns for them. Um, But, you know, maybe a guy like Jordy Nelson, he stays healthy all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have to worry about that. The, The Raiders have a good offensive line. That stays together. No injury or issues there. The defense. It's not deep, so if they start to have injury issues, that defense is going to get a little shaky pretty fast. But if they can stay healthy, which is a tough thing to do in the NFL, of course, mm-hmm. but if they can stay healthy, then I think they can steal away some of these games. Well, and that kind of sounds like to me what you were saying is we'll get to the final thought. So unless you had anything, anything else to add, Is that pretty much your final thought on the Raiders? I would say so, yeah. Okay, so for my final thoughts is, first off with the Seahawks, like I know that most of us are saying that, oh, they're going to be a worse team this year, 
But let's be honest. Like when I say worst team, I mean like seven and nine, eight and eight. Like uh, maybe nine and seven at best. Like they're not going to be a double digit playoff team, but they're not going to be like a five and eleven team this year. I just feel like the Raiders this year, the defense is not going to be as good as other teams. It's not going to be a phenomenal defense. We'll see how that grows with John Gruden as coach. And then the offense. Like, I don't know what to expect from that run game. I don't know what to expect from these old wide receivers coming in like Jordy Nelson and Martavius. Well, Jordy Nelson, a little bit older than Martavius Bryant, um, coming in to help this team. And I wonder if we're going to look and say, man, they should have taken this guy in the first round instead of Colton Miller. Could have really helped that team. But this is where Raider fans, I want you guys to come in. Let us know down below. Where are we right about your team? Where are we wrong? Where should we have hope? Where do you have hope? What do you like? What do you don't like? Heading into the 2018 season. And Mark, let's move on into the next team. This is a team that is another one that I am very high on. This was my other team that when I mentioned earlier, the in, the most interesting teams for me are the Broncos and then the Los Angeles Chargers. And I say that, and as I say that, I was already going to ask you about an injury that they got in the backfield. But today, the day as we record this on July 31st, today at training camp for the Chargers, yet another injury to the secondary. So that's what we're going to do to start this preview. We're going to try to kind of break down what's going on in the secondary. So the first injury we got is Jason Verrett. He tore his ACL done for the whole year. You don't have to look into that any further. Then today, cornerback Trevor Williams, who would have been starting most likely on the right side for this L.A. team, he was guarding Mike Williams on a go route. He injures his left ankle and they're saying that the injury, are they going to say it's a sprain or are they just saying no? They're just saying he injured his left ankle and then was helped off the field. So this is a team. They now lose Verrett. They lose Trevor Williams, who we don't know how long he's going to be out for. This team has some young cornerbacks like Desmond King, who is was from the Iowa Hawkeyes, Michael Davis, Jeff Richards. I want to ask you, These are just on top of also, like you mentioned to me before we started recording this segment, Hunter Henry, also an injury that we'll get into. But just with the cornerbacks right now, how much of a hurt is this for the Chargers already in training camp? Well, yeah, it definitely is. I mean, fortunately, they've got a great pass rush. So that kind of relieves a little bit of the defensive back, uh, the pressure that's put on them a little bit. But we can't ignore the fact, too, that, uh, you know, Derwin James, who's not a corner, he's a safety, but he mm-hmm. was, he's a little banged up now as well. Uh, he's missed some of this practice. So this is a banged-up unit already, and especially for a team that kind of has a history with injury issues um, and a lot of disappointment that comes from really well-put-together teams that just fall apart injury-wise or good seasons that fall apart because of injury. All it, I, it's it's all just I can kind think, of a never-ending thing for the Chargers. Just to cut you off, I don't mean to, but it, Phillip Rivers has got to be sitting there going, really? Like, can I have one year where, like, we have a healthy team and I can just see what I can do? Yeah, I mean, they never get that. I mean, it's just one of those things where there are certain teams where you just 
you shouldn't be a fan of them. And unfortunately, <laughs> the Chargers are one of those ones because no matter what the team does, it always catches up to them of mm-hmm. just everything goes poorly. Um, and injury is one of those issues right now for, for the Chargers, unfortunately, because they have already been hit very hard with them. No, and I mean, the thing that you mentioned was one of the things that before these injuries happened, I was like, oh, we're probably going to talk about that to start this preview is the best thing probably about this defense is that pass rush you mentioned, or just the front four in general with Bosa and Ingram on the outside, and then Leggett and uh, Membane, or Mabane on the inside to where I don't want to be going up against that defensive line at all, especially the Bosa-Ingram duo coming at me from the outside. I wonder what these, like, I wonder if these backup corners, like I mentioned, like the Desmond Kings, the um, Michael Richards, can they, or Jeff Richards, Michael Davis, that's what I meant to say. If those guys can step up in the, in the loss of Verrett and Williams and also, when is Williams going to come back? Because they did ask Brandon Mabane after practice, and he said, now, quote, he'll bounce back. It sucks, but it's part of the game. Sometimes you're going to have guys go down, and you have to have other guys step up. I know that I think it, I don't think it was last year. Maybe it was the year before, but, like, Keenan Allen goes down with an injury in preseason. Like, this Charger team is no stranger to injuries in the preseason, but this is a team that I'm going to say I'm still pretty high on this year in the division because for me, just kind of to map through what the AFC West is going through, the Broncos got better. They should have a winning record this year. To me, the Raiders didn't really get better. We talked about them. And the Chiefs, you can say, kind of got worse because – They made some moves in the secondary. They lost some defensive guys at linebacker and secondary. They lose Alex Smith. Yeah, they have Patrick Mahomes, who they're confident in, but he's still only a second-year starter. This, to me, even with these two injuries, could be the year that Phillip Rivers in this offense kind of maybe take on the load a little bit because of the cornerback injuries. But this could be the year where the Chargers say, hey, you know what? We're going to take a hold of this division, and we're going to be a playoff team. Because I look at the offense, Melvin Gordon's going to be really good. I like the backup that they also drafted in Justin Jackson, who played his college ball here in Chicago for Northwestern. If the wide receivers can stay healthy, Keenan Allen, Terrell Williams, Mike Williams, Travis Travis Benjamin should be a good up-front core for this team. I'll ask you. Is this a Charger team that could win the AFC West this year? It's possible, and I, I certainly think the the division helps them out a little bit. But you know, and, and I'm down on the Chiefs a little bit with Mahomes as well mm-hmm. because it's just it's a new quarterback, and you know, you mentioned him being in his second year, but he playing wise essentially will be a rookie. I mean, yeah. he got what was it one game. Last year, the week 17 uh, game against the Broncos. I believe that one was at home, though. Yeah, so he got one opportunity, which is great. But, you know, Andy Reid's not going to go easy on him, though, and they're going to give him everything and they're going to mm-hmm. let him play. And Andy Reid knows how to get his all out of a quarterback. So 
they should still be pretty good, but you know, and then Denver Broncos defense is good. We'll see how the offense goes, but still, you know, the, the chargers should be able to do it, but what they really need is they need some people to actually produce the way they should. Mike Williams is a perfect example of that. They really need him to shine in his second year. If he's not going to be what they drafted him to be, that can be an issue. You know, once again, these are injury problems mm-hmm. that have kind of been the problem there. Like he only the, played 10 games last year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's not like he played nothing, but, you know, you, you draft a guy in the first round, you want him obviously there mm-hmm. all 16 games. Uh, there's also a big kind of mystery right now when you look at the Chargers' offensive line with uh, with Pouncey, with Feeney. There's just kind of – it's right in the middle, and I don't know, it's it's not – it's not anything that you are terribly concerned about of like, Oh, this is going to ruin our season, but you really need, you need some success out of there. I mean, Forrest lamp as well. Uh, the right guard just in the second year, you know, and he did well, he definitely, uh, has a lot of success. I mean, especially coming out of college, he was a guy I liked a lot. Mm-hmm the chargers need a lot of these things to perform up to expectations, I guess, or up to the potential. You know, I love a guy like Derwin James, but is an injury in, in the, you know, in the preseason going to limit his ability to actually get out there and get his reps and perform well enough to possibly earn a job. If, it's going to be a competition in camp Mm -hmm. or is he going to not be able to perform as well because he's not as confident due to this injury. And for a rookie confidence is a huge part of having any success. So the chargers do not have an easy road to win this division. Mm -hmm. Now I think that there's a good chance the chargers will win the division. I like the chargers a lot. I mean, I like Phil Rivers. I always do this offense always on paper at least looks phenomenal. The pass rush is great as well. They have everything they need to be able to win, to be able to be a 10 win team. If not, you know, maybe 11, but they do have some concerns and charger fans will say it themselves. Things tend to go wrong for the chargers. If it can go wrong, it's going to go wrong for them. Kind of Murphy's Um, law for them. Yeah, essentially. So, you know, I I know that they're not going to be taking it easy. They're not going to assume that, oh, yeah, we'll breeze through teams like the Browns and the Bills and we'll beat the Seahawks, you know, the Cardinals. They're not going to just assume they're going to beat any of these teams because they've seen it go wrong very quickly in the past. Well, and the one thing I'm I'm looking at here, and, of course, this article is from May – um, when the around when the Hunter Henry injury happened, um, right now I look at the depth chart, and for me, Hunter Henry was the guy coming into this year that I was kind of looking forward to, to where it's like, hey, you know what? This will be the first year without Antonio Gates. We're now moving on in a post Antonio Gates kind of era for the Chargers, and not like saying last year was like, ooh, great. 
Antonio Gates, like thousand yard receiving Antonio Gates, but he still was a veteran tight end and a good safety blanket for Phillip Rivers. Now you got Virgil Green as your starting tight end. So for me, the one of the questions that this article on ESPN kind of raises is, could the Hunter Henry injury be a could that spark a reunion for Hunter or for Antonio Gates to come back to the team? I don't think so. Um, I think I'd that, be very surprised if it did. I wouldn't be surprised, but at the same time, I would also be like, just let let Antonio be Antonio at this point. Like you guys don't need Antonio Gates to be successful, but I I hate to harp on it. it's injuries so far. And like looking at the like wide receivers, for example, Keenan Allen played all sixteen games last year, was their best receiver by far. But like after that, Terrell Williams, sixteen games, but had seven hundred and twenty eight yards on that year. The big ones were like Travis Benjamin, who was a sub six hundred wide receiver. The Mike Mike Williams, who we said missed six games last year. Can these guys step up? And also, is Melvin Gordon going? Like, are they going to be a team that relies on Melvin Gordon to be? Hey, you got to be that a thousand yard back for us because they like. It's not like Melvin Gordon was a workhorse getting into the end zone a lot either. He only had eight touchdowns. When you look at the wide receivers, Keenan Allen had six, and then the rest of the wide receivers, Terrell Williams, Hunter Henry, Travis Benjamin, and then Melvin Gordon also, they had four touchdowns each. So it's not like one guy is like, hey, I'm the guy that's going to get us into the end zone, kind of spreading the ball out a little bit. I just, with this Charger team, wonder if... They can overcome the injuries that are already in place. I think they will. Are they going to win the division? I don't know. It comes down to, for me, I like the Broncos. Like if you get if you put a gun to my head and said, Ricky, who do you like better, the Broncos or the Chargers? I'm going to say the Broncos all day because of I like the defense a little bit better. Plus, it's a healthier defense than the Chargers. Also, it's I feel more confident in the Bronco offense than I do the Charger offense. And I know that may sound crazy, but it's like the Chargers haven't shown me what they can be. Yeah, I'm high on them. I think they'll be a playoff team, but they got to show me what they can do in 2016. And I mean, looking at their schedule this year, it's not a it's not a terrible schedule like the division will be tough. It always is. That's something we always say regardless of divisions. But, I mean, their toughest opponents are you've got the Rams that you play on the road. You've got the Niners I'll throw in there. Um, you play – that one's a, in my playoffs, so I won't give that away. you got the Steelers week 13. And really, other than that, all the other games except for the division, I'm kind of pushing that aside – all the other games are like they're winnable games. You should be able to beat the Bills. You should be able to at least take maybe one or two from the Raiders. You should be able to beat the Browns. The Titans won't be as strong in my mind. I'm not as high on the Bengals as you are. The Cardinals are another team of they could win that game. So, I mean, yeah, they've got like maybe these four games that are really tough, but the rest of their schedule, it's not world beaters that the Chargers are playing in 2018. No, it's not. It definitely isn't that they've got the worst schedule. And I, I, there's a good chance they'll have a fairly 
easy schedule when we looked back on strength of schedule at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do think that there's a really good potential that the Broncos chiefs and chargers are all right in the thick of the competition to win this division. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, you can't count out Andy Reid ever. We both like what the Broncos have going on. Uh, and the chargers look really good just without, injuries coming back to to get them on this yeah so you know if things go well for them they're right in the playoffs but even if they don't get the division win without a doubt they're still going to actually be competing for a wild card spot mm-hmm. you know the the team out of i would expect right now the team out of the afc west who doesn't win the division so your next best team they're probably either six or seven you know, mm-hmm. in the AFC. So either just getting in the playoffs, just missing the playoffs. Uh, and it's going to, you know, a lot of that's going to depend on what some of the other teams do. And, you know, and we talked about the AFC North and how that's a tough competition. The AFC South, that's going to be a tough competition between the Texans and the Jaguars and now the Colts with Andrew Luck being back and actually be able to throw some footballs. So there's a lot. It's going to be the AFC should be tougher this year than it has been the past couple of years. Not as tough as the NFC, mm-hmm. um, but it will be tougher. Here's a question I'm going to ask you, and I know that you're probably thinking, hey, Rick, after I ask this, you'll be thinking, hey, you should have saved this for the Chiefs segment, but I'll ask it anyways. What would you put the percentage on the Broncos, Chargers, and Chiefs all making the playoffs this year? All of them, probably, mm-hmm. I mean, the. I want to say zero, but I mean, it's technically possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really doubt it. I really, really doubt that would happen because then you're assuming that, you know, from the AFC South, the Texans with Sean Watson uh, are not a good enough team to get in the playoffs. Or the Jaguars, who were just a game away from the Super Bowl, are not good enough to get in the playoffs. You know, the Steelers, once again, just in the playoffs, not good enough. The Ravens, an improved team, not good enough either. Mm-hmm. Um, is it certainly possible? You know, maybe the Ravens aren't as good as I have expected them to get be able to get into the playoffs. You know, maybe Deshaun Watson, maybe injuries is a big issue for him for the rest of his career. You know, sure, the Chiefs and the Broncos and the Chargers could all make it, but... I'd be surprised to see three teams out of the AFC West get in there. Because, I mean, the reason why I ask is I'm not going to give anything away because we are, after today, as we start tomorrow, we're 20 days away until our hold them to us, like hold them, hold them to us predictions. Then an injury will happen and we got to do our revised hold them to us predictions like the Teddy Bridgewater injury did um, a couple years ago. But I wouldn't be surprised if, because I'm looking at how I have the AFC kind of playing out right now, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, in the AFC West, Team A, who wins the division, is at 12 wins. Team B, who's in second, is at 10 wins. Team C is at 9 wins and has enough of the tiebreakers to get that sixth spot in the playoffs. Do I see it happen? Probably not, because, like, the way I'm looking at it is there's about one, two, three, four, about four teams in the AFC that are think are going to be right there fighting for that last six spot in the AFC playoff race. So, I mean, 
it's go it's not going to be a well this playoff race is over um with 3 weeks to go we're going to definitely see that come down to the line by the end but this Charger team even though they've got injuries already Hunter Henley and in the cornerbacks that we already talked about I still think this team can be a successful one in 2018 mainly because of their schedule, like you saying, we'll probably look back on it and go, this was not a real tough schedule. They really had a favorable schedule. And one of the main reasons why they were able to maybe make the playoffs this year, I will ask you before we move on into the Kansas City Chiefs, do you have any final thoughts on the Los Angeles Chargers? Pretty much for me, I mean, it, it's going to come down to is the team going to stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to see, I'm very interested to see what we get out of Joey Bosa this year. Um, and if he can continue to elevate himself uh, and just move further along in his progression, because you mentioned Roquan Smith earlier, not being signed uh, to a deal yet, but you know, Joey Bosa was that guy last year, the guy mm-hmm. who had the, the rookie holdout. Um, and when he did get a chance to finally play his games, he made a statement. Um, and if, you know, if he can progress that much further and just continue, I've talked about the Chargers pass rush quite a bit on this mm-hmm. podcast, but it's one for other teams and other quarterbacks to be terrified of. Uh, and Joey Bosa's kind of the big piece to, to the puzzle for the Chargers, if they're going to win a lot of these games, they're going to need defense to step up to help them out with that. And I think Joey Bosa is going to be a huge, huge factor in that case. Do I think it happens? No, but I'm still going to say it anyways. If the Chargers do become injury-plugged and like do finish with a top-five pick in next year's draft, me personally, I would not be, I would not be ashamed and be... Um, hurting with that because there's a part of me that wants this team to be like, I would not be upset if this team was in position to nab the little Bosa who's right now at Ohio state, who we're probably going to be talking about all year when it comes to NFL draft talk. That's one thing that I'm like, man, he's probably going to be way too good to be drafted by the Los Angeles chargers. unless like some tweet comes out about him or mm-hmm. he's smoking pot the day him. of the draft. They don't. They don't really have a spot for him either, though. I hey man, if Joey Bosa, like if Nick Bosa's there, go ahead and re- reunite the brothers. I would say in Los Angeles. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. How high are you on the Chargers this year? Do you think that the injuries are going to keep them and set them back this year? I know it's early, but set them back to where maybe they do finish nine and seven, eight and eight, and do not make the playoffs. Let us know what you guys are thinking down below in that comment section. But Mark, let's close out the podcast talking about the team that finished first in the AFC West a year ago. Might not finish in first place this year, but only time will tell. And that is Brandon Swanson's favorite team, the Kansas City Commander and Chiefers, as I like to call them. And we got a ton of things to kind of look at in this Pandora's box which is which are the Chiefs. We're going to look at the losses that they have on defense, but before we look at defense, I want to look at the offense in this one because that's what makes this team go. 
They lose Alex Smith, a.k.a. they traded him, to the Washington Redskins, basically saying the era of Patrick Mahomes has begun in KC. Get used to it. He's the starting quarterback. However, they lose Matt Nagy, which you're excited for because uh, he left to go to Da Bears. I'll ask you, how different is this team going to look on offense with Matt Nagy no longer with the team and Patrick Mahomes at the helm at quarterback? Yeah, it's definitely going to be different, and I, I think that Patrick Mahomes has more of an impact on it looking different than, than Matt Nagy does because uh, Andy Reid is still – It's still know, the still same offense. Who, yeah, he's still a guy who's going to control things, and for the most part he was calling plays, and you know he's still going to do that. And with Patrick Mahomes, you have a little bit of a different scenario – than with Alex Smith. Alex Smith is, you know, a little bit more that game manager type of quarterback. And, and I don't mean that as an insult. Um, you know, besides those few games early on where he really was slinging it and he was trying to prove to everybody that, you know, he's an MVP candidate type of quarterback and he's, you know, he, he went toe to toe with Tom Brady mm-hmm. week one and came out ahead. He looked like the better quarterback in that game. But then we had a lot of just kind of average what you expect out of Alex Smith as well. What they want out of Patrick Mahomes is that gunslinging quarterback, that guy who's going to throw it all over everybody. Uh, Now, of course, there are some negatives with that too, things like turnovers. But they really expect to have Patrick Mahomes be that guy who can go out there and make any throw, the guy who can – pass all over everybody, elevate all of these receivers, which when you're talking about the receivers, I mean, you got Tyreek Hill, you got Travis Kelsey, you've got Sammy Watkins, uh, you know, you've got Kareem Hunt, who obviously is a running back, but he's a guy who can catch out of the backfield as mm-hmm. well. They've got so many weapons uh, that, you know, this team offensively, I don't necessarily know that they're going to take a step back with the exception of you do have Patrick Mahomes in his second year, but he only played one game last year. Mm -hmm. He's not that far removed from being a rookie. It might take him a little bit just to adapt. And, you know, it's not like he has to learn a new playbook or anything like that, but he does have a new offensive coordinator. So it does take time to gel with that. There is a little bit of, uh, some adapting that's going to have to happen for him. But if there's anything that slows down this offense, that's what it is, just him being young and inexperienced. Uh, The only concerns I really would have would be defensively because it wasn't necessarily, you know, lights out absolutely amazing defense, Mm -hmm. but this was a good defense last year. Uh, And they definitely did lose some pieces. You know, Marcus Peters is that kind of guy where I think the, the Chiefs were, they were happy to get rid of him, not for performance-wise, but because of attitude-wise. They were a little sick of him and his antics. So they felt comfortable to be able to do that, and they thought that, hey, it's a benefit for the team because we're losing some of those off-the-field type of things or not on the field. I mean, you know, I still think of throwing the, the penalty flag um, and then ejecting himself mm-hmm. from the game. Um, they're okay with not having that be a part of their team anymore. They're kind of tightening the ship a little bit. 
Well, and I mean, to go back to the offense for a second, the you hit the nail right on the head with Patrick Mahomes, where the biggest question, like, and I and I love Chief fans, where I get it, we're fans. And when it comes to your team, like when I talk about the Illini or like when I talk about the Bulls or the Vikings, you kind of get a little bit of, you get a little ungrounded. Where like when we talk about the Vikings, you're usually the guy on the other side of the table to make sure the Ricky balloon doesn't fly away and keep me grounded back to the podcast. And Chief fans will be like, oh, well, look, he, he played well in that Bronco game and look at what the future is. And I always got to say, hey, you know what? Like, look at that game. Yeah, the Broncos, like, have a good defense. They didn't try in that game. The Broncos could have gave two shits about that game. They were a team that was like, can I go golfing yet? Like, is it the offseason? Like, do I have to play this game? It's better if we lose because we get a better draft pick, right? Like, they did not care in that game. So, I mean, to me, I almost used that as a knock where it was like, yeah, you played a game, but did you really play a game because the other team didn't care? So that's why with your point that he's kind of like that rookie being in that first year, is how many mental mistakes are we going to see, if any, from Patrick Mahomes? Is he going to make those air quote rookie mistakes because he's technically not a rookie, but it'll be his first year starting? How many of those mistakes will he make? The other question in the offense that I have is, like you mentioned, Sammy Watkins. And the reason why is, yes, they have weapons. Tyreek Hill's proven. You've got guys like DeAnthony Thomas, like Kareem Hunt. You have other running backs like West and Ware as well that can help out in different roles. Sammy Watkins, to me, is the most important part because what Sammy Watkins are we going to get? First off, is he going to be healthy? He hasn't played 16 games since his rookie year. Last year was the most games that he has played since his second year. So are we going to get another Sammy Watkins that plays 15, 16 games in a season? Also, yardage, what kind of Sammy Watkins are we going to get? Are we going to get one that only got just under 600 yards? Or are we going to see a Sammy Watkins that we saw in 2014, 2015, where he was a 980 to 1,000 yard receiver? I don't know if he gets to 1,000 yards, but the thing I do want to see that he was better, especially in his second year, was I want to see a 62% catch percentage. I want those balls to be caught and not dropped, duh, if you're Sammy Watkins. And that's my question. Are we going to be able to see that from Sammy this year with the Kansas City Chiefs? Then the defense, like you said, that that to me is a bigger question mark than the offense because yeah, Marcus Peters with his off the field anti or on the field antics, they just wanted to get rid of him. But he's a good football player, and how much is that going to hurt? Also, they go ahead and lose Brandon Albert, who is now with the Miami Dolphins. The thing though that helps, and this is what I'll mention, is they get back Eric Berry. That to me, even though they made the playoffs, even though they won the division last year. That was a huge loss to this team. He virtually played game one, and we sung his praises for basically shutting down Gronk. They put him one-on-one v. Gronk, and he shut down Gronk the entire game, plays game two, or at the end of game one it might have been, gets injured, Up, oh, it's a season-ending injury. He only plays one game on the year. I'll ask you, 
how much of, yes, they lose Peters, yes, they lose Albert, but how much of a positive is it for this team to get back Eric Berry this year? Well, I mean, that's definitely going to be huge, but it's one of those things where does the advantage of getting Barry back kind of get negated or at least leveled out because of, you know, losing a guy like Peters in that case. Mm -hmm. And and that certainly could be the the situation, especially if you have uh, a younger quarterback who is going to be slinging the ball out there and is going to be likely to make more mistakes, putting the defense back on the field again to have to actually just, you know, they may have shut the other team down. They may have given mm-hmm. up a touchdown, a field goal, but now they're right back out there and they got to go again. And that's going to be a thing that kind of tires this team out to where, you know, last year they were pretty good mm-hmm. when it comes to only giving up 21 points a game, but that certainly could creep up a little bit this year just because of, you know, having a rookie out there who might make some mistakes. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that. But, you know, you mentioned Sammy Watkins. Uh, I do want to point or say one more thing about him. You know, I don't think that he needs to be a 1,000-yard receiver. Uh, Uh He certainly gets the benefit because the double teams are obviously going to be going for Tyreek Hill. Uh, you know, people are going to be paying attention to, to Kelsey uh, as well. There's definitely going to be attention on those type of guys. So where Sandy Watkins kind of has a little bit of the people are going to forget about him advantage. And there's a lot of things to worry about when it comes to this offense. You know, you can't just say, all right, throw it all over us, rookie, because Kareem Hunt is going to then run all over you. You can't stack the box because Patrick Mahomes isn't a joke and Tyree mm-hmm. Kill there, Kelsey's there, Watkins is there. So it can afford to be very balanced in that case. So they have, you know, if if this team can gel, if Mahomes can feel comfortable, if Andy Reid was, you know, not just saying the things that coaches say when he said that, yeah, Mahomes is doing great, everything's going well. Uh, if that actually is the truth in that case, then yeah, you're really going to like it. And this team is going to be doing very well and they're going to compete with the the Broncos and the chargers and possibly be able to win the division again. It's a little bit difficult. And I actually think that, you know, the chiefs have the most difficult schedule out of everybody. Cause you know, mm-hmm. they're going to be going to Foxborough. They're going uh, to play the Rams on the road they have some difficult matchups the here. They got go to go to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They got to go to Seattle. There's a lot of difficult matchups here to where this could be a good enough team to get into the playoffs, but they kind of get the bad draw when it comes to the schedule and they might lose enough of these away games to where that's going to be the thing that makes a big difference for them. Are you ready for me to say something that's going to a, I think, I am predicting that it's going to upset Chief fans and might be a little over the top, but I could totally see it happening. Are you ready for this? Yeah, go for it. Chiefs start the year 0-6. And the reason why I say that is think about the first six just quarterbacks that they play. Phillip Rivers, Big Ben, Jimmy Garoppolo, Case Keenum, 
Blake Bortles, Tom Brady. Now, not all of them are phenomenal quarterbacks, for sure. Yeah, you mentioned Blake Bortles in that. Yeah, but I mean, that one's going to be more of that Saxonville defense and that run game. Like, I could see this. The Charger game will be interesting only because of the injuries that they just faced, but I think that at home for the Chargers— Chargers could totally get a win in Patrick Mahomes' first start, like or first real start, because I'm not counting that Bronco game as a real start because the Broncos were done already looking to the offseason and didn't care. Then you get the Steelers. Yeah, I know Le'Veon Bell might sit out, but even though that's a tough team to play, especially on the, like, you're a quarterback coming in is like, all right, it's your team. Oh, by the way, you have to start your first two games on the road. It's not easy. Then when you come home, you have to play. I know that people in my prediction video were like, Ricky, you're way too high on the 49ers. I am high on Jimmy Garoppolo this year. And just in that game, I would take Jimmy Garoppolo to win that game over Patrick Mahomes. I know that both of them, you could say, are as inexperienced as like, kind of the same. But I would say that Jimmy Garoppolo has more experience than a Patrick Mahomes just from being in the league a lot more and has actually started more games than Patrick Mahomes. Then the Broncos, that's a tough defense, and you got them on the road. That could be a loss. That Jaguar defense is tough, I mean, but Blake Bortles isn't really, to me, the knockdown. As long as Blake Bortles doesn't make mistakes, the Jaguars can win that. And then I know the Chiefs beat the Patriots in Foxborough last year, but Tom Brady versus Alex Smith is way different than Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. So for me, how I see this season going for the Chiefs is you lose the first six, then you go on a little bit of a win streak, then you you basically lose a peppering from week seven to week 17. Basically, like you lose maybe two or three games from week seven all the way to the end of the year. Yeah, I definitely think that they they've got a nice stretch. Really, I mean, honestly, it could be from you know, it could be from week five or six because they might be surprising one of these two talented mm-hmm. teams like the Patriots or the Jaguars. But they have a nice stretch, you know, where they can go into their bye winning plenty of those games. Um, you know, especially if. They, like I said, surprise the Jaguars, the Patriots, or the Rams uh, in Week 11, mm-hmm. where they can kind of cruise in the middle, and they just have to close it out then afterwards. Um, but it's just going to be difficult because you know those those road games are going to be a challenge for the Chiefs. Um, and you mentioned the two Week One, Week Two, right off the bat. That's not easy, but. You know, you're also going to be playing those challenging type of teams like the Rams, mm-hmm. like the Patriots, like the Seahawks and the Steelers. The fact that Playoff you're playing teams, these challenging basically. teams, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's going to be difficult for the rookie, for the defense, which has, uh, you know, sure gained Eric Berry back, but also lost some important pieces to the puzzle as well. There are some there are some concerns just from that. Uh, that the Chiefs don't really have any control over necessarily. But overall, when I look at the team, I think the team is fine. I think the coaching is fine. I think the personnel is fine. There's nothing really wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs. 
it might just take a year for everything to kind of get put together mm-hmm. where this could be an eight and eight, nine and seven year where they either squeak into the playoffs or just miss out on the playoffs. And that's not the worst thing in the world because next year with Patrick Mahomes having had a full season of work, he can really feel comfortable and they can make that next step forward. No, you're exactly right. Like I see the window for this team being seven wins to nine wins. If they get to nine wins, they can get the six seed. Like that was what I was saying in the charger segment is if they get to nine wins, we could see three teams from this division get into the playoffs. But other than that, like, I mean, the first six games are really tough. Then you've got, like, how I break down the season is the first six games are tough. Then the next four they can win. I know the Broncos are in there, but it's at Arrowhead, not mile high. So you got Bengals, Broncos, Browns, Cardinals. Those are very winnable games. Then you got the Rams, which is a tough one. But then after the bye, I don't know what to expect from the Raiders. You get them twice. The Ravens could be a team fighting for the playoffs or will be a team fighting for the playoffs, but you get them at home. The Chargers in Arrowhead will be a different story. And yes, you get the Seahawks on the road, but what kind of a Seahawk team are we going to see this year, especially in week 16? Like I'm not, I haven't brought this up yet, but this will be the first time that I ever vocalize these words. I would not be surprised if by the time we got to week 15, 16, if the Seahawks are like a 7-9, and nine, if they're a 7-6 win team by that time, I wouldn't be surprised if on the podcast we're having segments about should they think about firing Pete Carroll. Like they, that could be the fate that the Seahawks are in this year. I don't think that happens, but like, like I don't think he gets fired, but we could – be definitely talking about that late in the year. So, like, definitely this is a team that I think will be between seven and nine wins, maybe make the playoffs, or maybe just miss out by one game. Is there anything that you think we missed with the Kansas City Chiefs? Um, not necessarily. I, I'm excited to see Kareem Hunt's second year. You know, was it a flash in the pan? Were we all just surprised? Is Andy Reid going to remember that he's there? You know, that's an important piece of the puzzle, too. The only thing I will mention is that with the Chiefs, we will not get the same. We're not going to get the same situation that we're going to get with the um, Philadelphia Eagles. We're like with the Eagles. They still have both quarterbacks that they had last year to where we can say, all right, who was it? Doug Peterson or, or DeFilippo or Frank Reich, who really made that success. With Alex Smith and Nagy being gone, I don't think that we're going to be saying, well, oh, yeah, it was Nagy or it was Alex Smith. It would be like, well, they're not as successful as last year. I guess it's one of them, but we're not going to find out which one it is because obviously they're both gone. If well, Alex we, Smith, we also know Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid's an established commodity when it comes to coaching quarterbacks. Who will forget to run the ball and will just pass. That's there, too. Yeah, he'll just forget that the running back even. He'll be like, wait, I've got three. I've got Spencer Ware, Charmander West, and I've got uh, Kareem Hunt back there. Wow, didn't even know uh, the running back position was even a position. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in the comment section. 
Are the Chiefs going to be a playoff team? How high do you have them? How low are you on them? What are you excited for? What are you not excited for? And also, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. A little bit of housekeeping here at the end. Make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most fellow podcast if you want to help support the channel. If you join at the $10 tier, you can be on a podcast each and every month. The Primetime Podcast just had Matt on talking about the Purdue Boilermakers, his favorite team in our previews. You can also buy yourself an MVP t-shirt. That link is down below in the description. You can also find it at mostvaluablepodcasts.com. We can also catch MVP each and every day. Then the last thing is Apple Podcasts and iTunes. If you have an iTunes account, you have an Apple Podcast account, make sure to go on over there. Or if you're listening on there, give us a five-star rating and write down why you like listening to the podcast each and every week. I think the last time I checked, Mark, the onside kick has a few reviews, has like one or two reviews of people that actually wrote stuff. But out of seven, I believe we're at, we are a 4.5 out of five for the onside kick. So we want to up that up, especially want to be as close to that 5.0 as possible. Want to thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world and also on YouTube because, uh, This one was just an audio one this week. So I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.